Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a series entitled Detox, Out with the Old, In with the New. In this series, Dr. Kelly is teaching us how to get rid of the old junk in our lives and make room for the new life that God has for us. Now here's Dr. Benji Kelly with today's podcast. How are we doing, church? You guys doing good? Good to be in the house of God today. Amen. Welcome to New Hope Church. We are glad you are here. Why don't you welcome all of the campuses, nine of them now. Just welcome them all, all over the Carolinas, in the South Carolina. And we are launching the Kenya campus and they are already meeting and paying close attention to what's going on here. And they're fired up and we are excited about the Kenya New Hope campus. Can I get an amen? Amen. Hey, three quick things on housekeeping, uh, just in the, in the realm of just kind of doing a little housekeeping here before we jump in. This is the last week to register for the Insight Leadership Conference. Friday night, it starts at 7 o'clock, so you can work on Friday. Friday night starts at 7 a worship celebration, great leadership on how to live a home run life from one of my best friends, Kevin Myers. Then it starts back Saturday morning. Oh, Friday night, we've got an after party on the parking lot, uh, ice cream party, all that kind of stuff. Then it starts back on Saturday morning, nine o'clock goes to five. I'll be teaching a leadership uh, lesson message, if you will, on high rise leadership. Kevin will be closing out the day breakout sessions. There are less than 50 seats left. If you want to go, you need to register today. We would love to have you. If you just can't make it, Hey, will you pray for us? Will you pray for about 600 pastors and leaders and new hopers descending on this campus from all over the Southeast this coming weekend? Hey, secondly, housekeeping. I just got every now and then I just want to let you know what's going on. Every single Sunday. Now I hear from about four or five people who tell me they have come to new hope church as a result of these magnets. Now, you've seen them everywhere, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach in your chair. Just everybody reach in. All of the campuses, you've got magnets in the chairs or in Sanford, they got pews. Glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> Grab a magnet, wave it around, get some air blowing in here. Pentecost, baby, the wind's blowing. Now, listen, it's in your hand. If you don't have this on your car, go stick it on your car in the name of Jesus. Amen. And you're like, well, I don't drive good enough to have a church magnet on my car. <laughs> hey. We just keep it real here at New Hope. Don't worry about that. And it might help you drive better anyway. Amen? If you got a magnet on your car, it might, who knows, it might prevent you from getting a ticket. You know what I'm saying? Throw that on your car. Seriously, every single Sunday, just, just to imagine that people come to this church because they see thousands of magnets on cars all over the Carolinas. They can come to this church and accept Christ, have their sins forgiven, and their eternity secure in Christ. Is that not amazing? Because of a magnet on a car. And I'm telling you, every Sunday in the fireside room, I ask, I ask every Sunday, how'd you hear about New Hope Church? And, and they, they say every Sunday, four or five families, oh, we saw all the magnets. Unstinking believable. Lastly, I just want to love on you a little bit and say thank you. Last Sunday, we, we came out with our new worship celebration times, right? We added a coffee house in the morning that starts at 9 a.m. during this worship celebration. So why don't you give it up for the coffee house? Just give it up for them right now. They're going right now. Love you guys. And this community, once again, took my breath away with your unbelievable 
faithfulness and desire to see us accomplish vision, reach, teach, and release. We dispersed. We decentralized. We moved a lot of people around. Coffee House last week was slammed at both celebrations. Look in here. We've created some seats in here. I love it. Now guests know that there's a place for them in here. We did it at the 1045, at the 1245, at the 11 o'clock coffee house. Well done, Central. And I want to look into the camera and say to all the campuses here in the Carolinas, well done to you as well. Your campus pastors are telling me that many of you are moving to like that earliest worship celebration for you, right? Or you're moving to the one o'clock worship celebration at, at the campuses that have a one o'clock celebration. Well done, New Hope Church. Would you just, I think you need to give yourself a hand. Just, just. Just way to go. Way to go. So we started last week this series called Detox. And um, we, we talked last week, the whole subtitle of the series is Out with the Old and In with the New. And uh, detox is a very popular trend going on right now. Detox is the way in which you clean out your body. In fact, Wikipedia defines a detox as this. The removal of toxic substances from a living organism, an approach that claims to remove harmful substances from the body. And last week, we talked about the need to remove the harmful substance, the sin, if you will, of using this muscle in our mouth called the tongue, which I said is the biggest muscle in your body. We talked about removing the toxins of sin with our mouths. And I admitted to you, I confessed to you that my name is Benji and I'm a recovering cusser. Remember, if you weren't here, by the way, some of you are like, I want that message. If you weren't here last week, go to the resource center. It's out there. You can pick it up today. Now today, see, this is the easiest series for me to teach to you because I'm just teaching my own stuff. I'm just reading my own mail. Today, I want to talk to you about another subject. But before we get to that, let's just review. Uh, most of you are here. We talked about the power of words last week. And the first thing we said was what? Come on, bless me. Oh, you got it. Monitor your mouth. Right? Everybody say, monitor your mouth. Not your mouth. Again, monitor your mouth. All right? That was last week. Then the second thing I talked to you about last week was ignore your critics. Oh. That connected with some of you. I talked about the critics that you need to listen to, but I talked about the critics that you need to ignore stiff arm baby in the name of Jesus. Amen. Remember that? You were digging some of that. And then the third thing I said was, speak to your mountain, not about your mountain. Declare the word of the Lord over the mountains, over the obstacles, over the challenges that you face. Walk with God. Learn his word. Use your mouth for God and you watch God start to move mountains in your life. That was last week. This week, I want to talk to you about the subject matter of anger. Of what? Anger. And I am calling this message the acid of anger. That is not original. In fact, I think Mark Twain, if he was a preacher, he would have called it the acid of anger. I get this from his quote. Look at this quote. I want you to read this because it is so so good. Ready? Go. Acid. Oh, I'm sorry. No. Some of you that's taking your fair share of acid right now. Your mind's somewhere else. No, no, not that acid. Sorry. Sorry. Ready? 
Some of you are like, what are you, what's he talking about? Anyway, um, <laughs> is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than anything on which it is. One more time says, I just tore it up both times. Ready? Go. Anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. Now, that is a profound quote. Anger is like an acid. And it will eat away at those you put your anger on. And it will eat inside of your soul if you don't properly deal with anger. Now, let me just offer this disclaimer before I really get into this message much. I understand that there is this thing called righteous anger. And maybe you've never heard those two words put together. If you read the Bible, there is this concept of righteous anger. You see it throughout the Bible. You see it in the life of Jesus when he went into the temple, remember? And he turned over the tables. I firmly believe in righteous anger. And there are some people who go, I don't believe in righteous anger. No, no, no. I firmly believe in righteous anger. But the anger that I usually have dealt with in my life is not righteous. <laughs> and that's probably the same for you. So I just want to state in the beginning, there is this thing called righteous anger. That's not really what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about unrighteous anger. And the reason I'm talking about that is because that is what most of us struggle with. Amen? Well, here's a question for you. What makes you angry? I mean, what makes you angry? Do traffic jams make you angry? I mean, come on. Road rage is for real. It is out there. I had somebody the other day. I thought they were just telling me I was number one until I realized there was the wrong finger. You know what I'm saying? They were all hacked off, man. Maybe you, maybe you struggle with road rage. Here, here's one that I can't stand. I, I, I just continue to confess this. I, I, get, I get angry standing in long lines. Now, and, and if I'm in the grocery store, and I want to, again, just, I like to keep it real here. I don't want you to get the picture of me being in the grocery store a lot because I'm, I'm not in the grocery store a lot. Um, but, but when I am, if I'm standing in the line that's 10 items or less, and you're in the line in front of me, I just want to let you, I'm going to count your items. I'm, I know. I got issues. I'm going to count your items. And if you have more than 10, I've never mustered up the courage to do this. But I've, I've, I've made several moves to the person before. I, excuse me. Um, you got 13 items instead of 10. You are a sinner in the hands of an angry God. Right? I've never done that. But it just feels good just getting it out. Right? Here's another one. that oh, The Department of Motor Vehicles. Can you say hell on earth? And I'm sorry if you work at the Department of Motor Vehicle. If you do, for God's sake, go get that place figured out. I mean, DMV, man. It, if the Bible had just said hell is going to be like DMV, I think the whole world would be saved. I mean, it's, you've never seen such inefficiency and dysfunctionality. And then like, <laughs> I hate the DMV. And then, and, then, and then there are things that, that make us righteous anger, right? The state of our world makes me angry sometimes. 
I'm not going to go get all political, but let me just say, you know what makes me angry? It makes me angry that the United States of America spent 10 flipping years in Iraq and spent billions of dollars and we lost 4,000 plus lives and we're watching it all go down the drain again. That just makes me mad. And now we, we're probably going to go get right back up in there, right? I think America needs to learn we can't police the world, okay? Um, yeah, some of, you, some of you don't know if you should clap about that or not. No, 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 you don't. It's, it's, it's totally up to you. Some of you are like, uh, I, I don't know. Should I, should I, should I? Now, here's the deal with anger. Anger is very easy to justify. Anger is very easy to say, you know what? Well, she made me do it. Or he made me angry. Or this situation makes me angry. And what I want to point out in the very beginning is anger is not necessarily sin in and of itself. What is sin is what we do with the anger. Now, did you get that? I'm not saying to you that it is sin always to feel anger. Like I said, there's some righteous anger. Sin is deeper than that. What is sin often in my life is how I have handled the anger in the past. The Bible says this in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Let's read it out loud. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. The word says this. In your anger, do not... Do not what? Don't let the sun go down on you while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a what? A foothold. It's what you do with your anger. It's how you respond to the anger that you feel inside that determines whether or not it is a sin and whether or not you give the enemy a foothold in your life. I need to define for you that word foothold. If you're a note taker, I hope you're taking notes. Get the sheet. There's a place on the back for you. Foothold is, is tapas. Tapas in the Greek. The word actually means this. It's an opportunity. It's a location. Very literally, foothold, tapas, means a room. Oh, now come on, come on. Watch this. When you respond wrong, unfaithfully to anger, or when you sin in your anger, here's what the Bible's saying. You're giving the devil a room, a guest room in your soul. Wow. Unbelievable. How many of you remember the, the story of Cain and Abel? Cain and Abel in the Old Testament. You know the story? Great, great Old Testament story. They went to make an offering to God. Do you remember? Abel made a good offering. But Cain made a bad offering. God rejected Cain's offering. And here's how the story goes in the book of Genesis 4, 6, and 7. Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, watch this, watch this. Sin is crouching at your door and desires to have you, but you must what, church? You must rule over it. There are a lot of us up in here who need to learn how to rule over our anger. Hi, my name is Benji, and I am a recovering anger addict. <laughs> and you're probably starting to think, man, that dude is really jacked up. Yes. Like the worst kind of person I think would be a, would be a cussing anger addict. 
that's how jacked up I was before I had a head-on collision with Jesus, right? I mean, that was my story. And I stand before you having walked with Christ 25 years. And my anger is hardly ever felt or acted upon any more. I mean, this week, this week, any, any of you enjoying this hot weather? <sighs> Where did the cool weather go that we were enjoying? So my air conditioning at my house went out this week. Now, there was a day when I would have been all hacked off all week long. And then I got toward the end of the week and started reflecting back on it. And I was just so thankful that 25 years after walking with Christ, you know what? I didn't even get angry about it. I actually started trying to talk to my kids about maybe God wants us to understand what it is like to be in solidarity with those who never have air conditioning. <laughs> Seriously. Come, come, come. This is, this is, this is, I just feel like to go here for a moment. You know what most of us get angry over? I call them first world problems. First world problems, not third world problems. We are so blessed. And we get so mad over stupid stuff like DMV. <laughs> or somebody cutting you off. Or your air, I mean, air conditioning. That was a day when some of you, I see some nice gray hair in here. And I love gray hair. I'm sure there's gray hair at the campuses. Some of you can remember when you didn't have air conditioning in your homes. So, so here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you about two ways that we handle our anger. Two ways. You're going to want to write this stuff down. Here, here's the first way. And this is some of you. Some of you I would call spewers. What am I calling you? That, that's what I was. Okay, Spewers. Picture a volcano that is just spewing Molten, hot lava. Very, very destructive. If you've ever seen a live volcano, which I have, you don't want to go near it if it's in the spewing stage. Spewers express anger. They do what? They express their anger. And they express it very um, colorfully. <laughs> Especially if you're a spewing cusser. Again, you get a spewing cusser of which I was. And psychologists and anthropologists study people like me. I mean, this is... Just connecting the dots from last week. A spewer expresses their Anger. Let me talk to you for a moment. Listen. Bible says in Proverbs 29, 11. 29, 11, Let's read it out loud. Ready? Go. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Again, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Spewers. Here's another one. Proverbs 29, 11. Ready? Go. A quick-tempered person does, does what? A quick-tempered person does foolish things. Let, let me ask you a question. How many of you would honestly say, and again, I, you know, I'm like every week, I just, my life is an open book. How many of you would admit 
that you have spewer tendencies. Come on, just... Boy, that took you a moment, but I want to campuses, campuses, just raise them high so your campus faster. No, he might, he's probably on the front row. Hopefully he's not looking around. Spewers, right? Spewers. And, and what you need to know, if you are a spewer, I just want to say it as plainly as I can. You need to learn how to get control of that. When you spew your anger, it is sin. Just like last week I was talking about the, we just need to realize and remember that sin is sin. And sin grieves the heart of God. And when you just spew over people and damage people and all of that, it is sin. It would be like me. Glory, are you praying? (laughs) Cameras, do your work for the campuses. Glory, hallelujah. Some of you just spew like fire. And people get close to that, you're going to get damaged. Some of you are like a volcano. And what I hope this day would send you out on is a trajectory of recovering from being a spewing anger addict. You and I have to learn that God wants us to demonstrate, here it is, self-control. The Bible says this in Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and... I mean, have you thought about that lately? Self-control is actually a fruit of the Spirit. So as I walk with God, if I'm doing business with my sin and confessing my sin, and we talked about this last week, repenting of my sin, in time, if I'm walking with God, He is going to enable me by the power of the Holy Spirit to start exercising self what? Control. Here, here, here's the second group of you. Second group of you. You are stewards. You're what, church? Stewards. Now, here's what you stewards like to do. You don't, you don't express your anger. You don't. In fact, you don't like people who express their anger. But here's what you do. You suppress anger. You just just keep it all on the inside. And I need to let you know that that is very dangerous as well. The Bible says this in Psalms 32, 3. Why don't you read it out loud with me? Ready, go. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. Some of you are master suppressors of anger. And you have fights. And you say this. And you say that. And that mean person. But you do it all on the inside. Oh, I've been reading some of your email. I mean, you, 
You, you, you literally have arguments with people up in your soul, up in your mind. And if you ever notice, you always win the argument. Have you ever noticed that? Beloved, that is la-la land. You, you suppress it. You, you push down your emotions, the deepest part of your soul. And the Bible says you damage the inside of who you are. You rehearse your fights. You rehearse the negativity toward other people. You blow up fights in your mind. And then you get around that person and you've got your arms all crossed and you're not saying anything. And they look at you like, what is your problem? You have been suppressing your anger. And watch this. Those who suppress their anger, it eventually comes out. They can suppress it all day long. There it is. It's it's, it's just suppressed. It's beneath us. Here's what you stewards do. You go subterranean. You go, I might be speaking to more stewards up in here than skewers, or you've just never been called out before. You go subterranean, baby. You go underground, and you eventually go passive aggressive. He said, Say it again. He must be married to a stewer. <laughs> I ain't even going to look over there. <laughs> oh, we're having fun up in here today. How many of you, come on, we just keeping it real, keeping it. How many of you say, you know what? I have steward tendencies. I'm a steward. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I know it's happening at the campuses. Thanks for being an honest church. I mean, between those two, between spewers and stewards, I just think we about covered the room. Both of them were about 50%. You're an honest bunch. The prodigal son. Luke chapter 15. You guys remember the prodigal son? By the way, it is my favorite passage of scripture. When people ask me, what is your favorite passage of scripture? It's the prodigal son because I was the prodigal. And we love the prodigal son. It is the most popular piece of literature in probably all the world. Not just biblical literature. I mean, this is one that, that crosses over. But you know the story of the prodigal son. Father has two boys, right? Youngest boy says, Dad, give me my inheritance. I want to go out and... And just sow my oats, if you will. And when you ask for your inheritance, you're basically saying to your dad back then, Hey, I wish you were dead. Go ahead and give me mine. Peace out. He heads out into the far country. Spends all the inheritance in wild living. Women, you name it, whatever. Lands in a pig pen. Realizes that he has lost it all and he is lost. And he then makes the trek back home. The father sees his prodigal boy coming home, meets him at the property line, puts a robe on his body, puts not just a ring, but a signet ring, which means you have authority in this family, put sandals on his feet, killed the fattened calf and says, come on, let's go party. But there was another boy in that parable. I don't think we talk enough about the other boy. Like, I think the the parable could actually be called the parable of the older son. Because the older boy, if you know the passage, the older boy actually becomes angry and says this in Luke 15, 28. The Bible says the older boy became what, church? Became what? 
and refused to go in to the party. He was a little stewing, sulking crybaby. He was sulking and stewing in his anger over grace. Over grace. Stewards are like that. They, they push it down. They don't like to express it. They suppress it. And if you don't learn to deal with your spewing, just like if the spewer doesn't learn to deal with his or her spewing, you are going to cause great, great danger in your soul, in your health. And I will promise you, beloved, it will eventually come out. In very destructive, unhealthy, sometimes underground ways, but it will come out. I mean, put the Mark Twain quote back up there one more time. This is, for, this is really probably more for the stewards. Mark Twain says this, Anger is an acid. It is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is what? Stored. I think the case can be made that if you store your anger as opposed to expressing it, you're going to probably do more damage to yourself. I mean, come on, I'd rather hang around with a spewer any day. At least you know where they're coming from. <laughs> there, there's no doubt. <laughs> but it does more damage to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. So what do you need to do with your anger? What do you need to do with your anger? Or what do you need to do with, with those who write, maybe bring the anger on you? You're not an angry person, but you've, you've been around people who've spewed your anger, their anger on you. Spewing is definitely not the answer. Stewing. I've already talked about the damages of that. What you and I have to learn how to do with our anger. We've got to learn how to cut it off. Like, sir, some of you are just angry. And I can connect with you because that was my story. Anger will eat your lunch and destroy those you love. You have to learn how to practice self-control. You have to learn how to cut off your Anger. The interesting thing about fire, and by the way, the reason I did this, you might be trying to make the connection. Check this out. In the Bible, there are 15 references to anger being likened as a metaphor to fire. 15. Now, here's what's interesting about fire. It has a very paradoxical nature to it. If you live in northern Alaska... You will not live without fire. You cook with fire. You boil with fire. You will not live without it. But the same fire that can help you accomplish life in Alaska or the like is the same fire 
that can burn thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of acres of land in Southern California or burn down your house and my house here in the Southeast United States. It's got this paradoxical nature to it. But when it comes to anger, write this down. I am going to have to learn how to put the fire out. I'm going to have to do what? And if I don't, it will be my downfall. If I don't, I will burn those that I love. If I don't, I will burn myself. I don't care if you're a spewer or a steward. They both end bad. Trust me. I was the recipient of vicious anger. And as a result, I had to deal with it in my life. And some of you, you're kind of you're angry at me right now. If you're angry at me right now, you really have issues. That might be a clear sign that you need to really work on this. But some of you are kind of having this, you're not angry at me, but you're having this tug of war with me right now. And this is what you're thinking. Because I said in the beginning, right, anger is one of those things that we're good at making excuses about. And here's what our excuses look like. Well, they made me do it or he did that or she did that. And if they didn't do that, I wouldn't be angry and blah, 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 blah. Or, or here's your other excuse. I just can't change. Anger is one of the areas I can't change. Now, I want to love you enough to challenge you on that one. How many of you can relate to this? How many of you have had a situation similar to this? This is what would go down in my family. We would be in the house and it would be blowing up. I mean, you blankety blankety blank. You blank, you go to blank. And the phone would ring, ring, ring. And I would watch my family members go up to the phone. Hello. Hey, Tommy, what's up, dog? You want to go fishing tomorrow? Absolutely, man. I'll see you at your house at 530 in the morning. All right, have a good night. Click. Cussing up a storm. Raising Cain. I realized this week as I was, I realized where that came from. I'm sorry. I didn't ever make that connection before. Cain and Abel. Ra- raising Cain. Cussing. Fighting. Hitting. Slapping. I mean, this shows you. I don't know why I feel led to tell you this right. This shows you how jacked up my family was when it comes to anger and violence. We got for Christmas one year, my three brothers and I, I was the youngest of, of three. So three of us total. We got for Christmas boxing gloves one summer. One Christmas. <laughs> And whenever we would have these anger bouts, my dad would just tell us to go out in the yard. And so we'd go out in the yard and we'd fight. Now, I was the baby. I was the youngest of three. So I would kind of get in there. And my brothers would just step back, bah, 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 and they just jack me up, man. So I probably have a little brain damage, too. I tell y'all, that's why y'all come to this church. I just, y'all, y'all, y'all listen to my stuff every week and you're like, you walk out there going, I ain't that bad. <laughs> hey, any way I can give you hope, beloved. Any way I can give you hope. But come on, come on. You know this. You can be angry and raging or suppressing or expressing and somebody can walk in the room or you can get a phone call or you need to walk into the gas station to pay for your gas and you can control it like that. Don't tell me you can't control it. 
I beg to differ. I actually believe you can control it. Here's how you do it. You turn it off. You realize it's a sin. And when it creeps its ugly head, and it will, you go to your loving, gracious God. You realize that you've sinned against God. Again, church, you got to soften your heart a little bit and realize sin is sin. I don't like the fact that the church no longer has a tendency to call sin, sin. You go to your loving Heavenly Father. You confess your sin. God, I'm sorry. I've blown it again. You get on your knees if you have to. It's a great posture. I believe the tallest a man or woman ever stands is when they're on their knees. And you say, God, I'm sorry. I have sinned against you. But like David in the Psalms, create in me a clean heart. And you take the soap of God's word, talking about last week, and you wash out your mouth if you, if you use your tongue to destroy and damage people or yourself. And you take the soap of God's word and you internalize it and you realize I've sinned against you, God. Please forgive me. You, you plead the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for you. You actually get to a point where it grieves your heart. If we no longer grieve over sin, we're no longer going to be transformed and sanctified into the image of God. And maybe you're here and you're like, well, my heart's hard. I don't ever really feel bad about sin. Then ask God to break your heart over sin. I've gone through those seasons too. I mean, if we're not careful, our hearts can just grow hard. God, I've sinned against thee. Forgive me for the words I spoke or the anger I'm suppressing. Remove it, God. And then you close out that time of authentic confession and repentance and you turn. That's what repentance means. You turn from your anger and you go in a different direction. And you say, well, what if it happens again? You go right back and you do it again. And you say, well, what if it happens again? You do it again. And again. And again. And again. And I will promise you, if you will honestly do business with a holy God. Here's what happens in time. Your life will start to be transformed. You'll have dips and valleys. You'll have fog. But you'll be transformed into the image of Jesus. But this doesn't happen without confession and repentance. And the reason some of you have been following Christ or you've accepted Christ, but you're not being transformed into the image of Christ is because you're not confessing and repenting of your sin. And you know what's, you know what I realized this week as I, as I thought about this? One of the most popular passages of Scripture in the Old Testament, it's not one passage, it's actually, you see it running throughout the entire Bible. 
It's this teaching that God is slow to anger. In fact, the word of the Lord says this. Psalm 145, 8. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Slow to anger. And what, church? The Lord is what? Gracious and what? Slow to what? Slow to what? Rich in love. As you walk with Christ and you fall, every time you fall, you confess and repent. You fall, you confess and repent. You fall, you confess and repent. You start to be transformed over a period of your life where you become like your Lord. You become like that which you worship and the God we worship slow to anger. That's the process of sanctification. That's the process of detoxing. That is the process of being out with the old and in with the new. You turn it off. You do business with God. If you need professional counseling, You get therapy. You do whatever you need to do to cut it off. And you watch God start to transform your life. About nine years ago, my wife and I uh, celebrated our 10th anniversary. And so we decided to go to London and uh, we did lots of different things in, in Europe, but we, we were in London. And I remember learning when I was in London that bombs were still great concern. Bombs that had been dropped or planted in the war some 50 years later were still dangerous to people. They would find them in the open countryside. They would find them in nets from fishing. And in reality, they were actually more dangerous today than they were back then because of the corrosion and the fact that the detonators were exposed. And the guide was telling us how these bombs would just blow up and the disaster was was terrible and the damage was harmful. And they had to be very, very careful about these old hidden bombs thought about that this week that's what anger's like that's what anger's like and you can hide it all you want or you can express it all you want but when you let anger spew or you go underground with anger I'm just here to let you know because I love you and I have been there done that The damage is astronomical. The collateral damage to those you love and maybe even those you don't know but you still love them, right, as Christians? The collateral damage is high. The damage in your own soul and in your own spirit is deep and profound. So I say, New Hope, we detox from anger. I say we we go on a, a trek today 
of doing everything we can do to be out with the old anger. Come on. And in with the new. I'm here to say today that as a church, can you just imagine what it would be like to raise up a community of faith? Looking at last week that used their tongues and their mouths for good. And they actually become, talking about this week, peace bringers instead of anger ragers, if you will. What would it look like for us to be a church where God starts to transform us, take the anger out, bring peace in? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. If you receive it, say amen. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for what you're doing here. God, I I thank you for the transformative work of the Holy Spirit in my life. God, I thank you that I'm not where I need to be. But oh God, I thank you that I'm not where I used to be. Would you continue to pour out your spirit on this church? Father, we gather today in your name. We stand to our feet in just a moment and we sing this song about declaring and raising our hands and standing in your presence. God, I pray that that the work that needs to be done around this subject of anger would actually start to take place, not tomorrow, but right now. If you're here today and you've been convicted, you've been challenged over the matter of anger, why don't you just take a moment and commune with God? All heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Why don't you just... Pray your heart to God. Tell Him about the conviction. Tell Him about the sin, how it's grieved you. Maybe you're here and you're the recipient of anger. Ask Him to help you learn and and know how to handle it. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Don't give... Satan, a guest room in your soul over this issue of anger. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word that teaches, for your Holy Spirit that convicts and challenges. We stand with arms high and hearts abandoned for the one who's given it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. If you receive it, praise God. If you trust Him, what He's going to do in your life, go ahead and let Him know. Be glad. We love you guys at all of the campuses. Let's stand. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. May God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.